the Tenfold Podcast. We are coming to you live from Tin Can Bay. And we are huddled in our bed, <laughs> in our Airbnb, yeah, under the covers, having a very cozy, rainy day. <laughs> um, yeah, so we actually, we took, well, I took two days off and you already had the week off. Yeah. Um, it's Alex and that's Tori, yeah. just so you guys know. <laughs> and um, we, uh, yeah, so we had this plan. It's like basically like a little four day, like instead of a baby moon, it's a sister, sister moon. baby moon. <laughs> <laughs> and we saw that in the forecast that it was going to rain. So we made sure that we booked an Airbnb that was just like super cozy where we yeah. could do tenfold work from. Um, so we've got like a really nice patio deck that's covered and then like this like king size bed and this little cottage. Like it's just Very so lush. Nice. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just like worked out so well. And Tinkan Bay. I didn't even realize how small it was or like it's like there's not even a main like town. I feel like there's like a couple shops in a cluster, but not even like a main drag. Not even like one street. Yeah. (laughs) And the claim to fame is the dolphins. So these dolphins like who live in the wild come up every morning at around seven between like seven and eight. And And wait, what kind were they? Humpback dolphins? I don't know. I can't remember. Mm. They're not bottlenose. That's what I know. <laughs> yeah, they're not bottlenose dolphins. They're, I think they're a little bit smaller, actually. Yeah, they were really cute. Um, And then they come up for to feed. And then you pay like $5 and you get to feed them a fish. Um, it, yeah, it was just really nice. And it's all run by retired volunteers. And they were so cute and like so excited to be there and had all this like wonderful dolphin knowledge to share. <laughs> Um, and all of Tinkham Bay is a retirement place, which we realize. So yeah. it's like mostly all people over the age of 70, like living in these really nice houses on the water. Well, when we were driving around yesterday, when we first got here, there was literally like no one anywhere. The streets were like completely empty and I don't even think we like came across anyone. It was just like the perfect thing for for the like the weekend that we were looking for. Yeah. So. So it's actually pouring down so hard right now. So we paused just to see what it sounded like. And it sounds like it's okay. So I think we're just going to keep going and try and talk a little bit louder. Um, but if you hear like Ditter gentle patter patter <laughs> behind you, that's like we're <laughs> just trying to add you. to the ambiance yeah, of exactly. the podcast. So you can really be here with us. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was going to say part of the inspiration for this weekend and dedicating it to tenfold was also because I went to the psychic on Monday and she gave me so much motivation and like everything so I'll just start from the beginning because I feel like a lot of people actually want to hear about it um but yeah I was just feeling like recently and like I just had a breakup and stuff and I feel like I'm going through a big like period of transition right now and I was like oh I could really use like some sort of healing or just something where I was like I want a bit of magic in my life a bit of guidance like I feel like I'm in a good place but I want a bit of that extra like push or like something um and then I just googled stuff in the gold coast and I was like healing massage psychic and I just came across this website and I liked what she looked like and like it just something with the website I was like yeah this is it and so I booked it in when you know you know yeah um and on the website she does a good job actually because she was like if you're out here at this website it's for a reason (laughs) and I was like it's true good marketing um and then yeah I was a bit like leading up to it I was actually a bit nervous because you're always like what if they tell you something you don't want to hear but I don't think they really would um it is an ultimate act of vulnerability I think to go to someone and pay them saying I trust what you're gonna say and have them not actually know anything about you and then give you feedback on your life like it is pretty confronting and I was a bit skeptical because I was like like what like how can she really know or what's it gonna be and like I went in and 
specifically was like, I don't want to say too much at the beginning because I don't want to give her too much like, yeah. to go off of. I test her. I know. Actually, when I went, when I first got there, she was like, oh, have I read for you before? Like, you seem familiar. And then I was like, no. And then she was like, maybe in a past life. <laughs> so it was an interesting start. But then I think I really only told her that. Like, I've been in the Gold Coast for a year, and my sister's here, and my parents are back home. And I'm pretty sure that's all I really said. And I told her, oh, I just kind of want a general reading. I'm I'm in a bit of a transition phase in my life, and I just want a bit of guidance and magic. And, and for those of you who don't know Tori, she can be really hard to read. So yeah, <laughs> I always wonder in those, like, sessions like that what other people are like, and if they, like, talk way more or like, ah, she does not like, give anything away. <laughs> no. So if you were doing her reading, yeah. like, yeah, like, um, but yeah, so she... She um, had this really nice, like, setup in, in her house where she had all these, like, I think there's a big poster, not poster, but, like, a weaving of, like, Isis on one wall. And then she had all these, like, ten different decks of tarot cards on her table and, like, candles and all this stuff. So it was, like, a nice, what you would picture um, the setup to be. And then she just, yeah, she asked what I want. And I was like, oh, just general guidance. She was like, if you do have questions as they come up, just ask them and don't wait till the end. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, she just started like with one deck and did this whole like massive layout and, and like went through it. And the first card she pulled, she asked about work and she was like, oh, is there something new in work? Or do you have a new job? And I was like, no, no, I have the same job. But then I was like, oh, Alex and I are actually like my sister and I are trying to kind of re, um, get on a better schedule with our podcast again and get mm -hmm. more regular on that and then she was like oh that's it and she really honed in on it and then it kept on coming up throughout the reading about like focusing on that and like there's this passion project and this thing that you really need to devote your time to so basically she was saying like tenfold is like what you're supposed to focus on mm -hmm. right now and she said this could be like your juicy income in the future and this is what you're supposed to share with the world she basically said like it's my dharma for this life it's and like, dharma is your purpose yeah it's like a purpose. yogi term for yeah. your purpose in life um and that came up like a lot and the last card she ended up ended up pulling was a black panther which was just like <laughs> also like I, you are stand a black in your panther. power like do like like <laughs> amazon mission um yeah so that was like really interesting because that was just such a big thing that kept coming up like throughout the whole time it would like come back to like mm -hmm. you have a purpose like stay on that path it's very important i think it's also interesting because well in the last podcast which i really recommend you listen to if you haven't it, it's about survival mode the survival mode spectrum and we talk about how tori and i have both definitely been in our own versions of survival mode like the last few years yeah and i think even with tenfold like we love doing this mm. and we launched a website two years ago our podcast yeah. we have an instagram um which we're not actually that active on but yeah. uh we have put a lot of effort into it but we've done it always on a casual basis yeah and a bit sporadically but and i think also you've also you've always had a bit of a hesitancy yeah to, to really commit I yeah think. and I, it's not because of what we're doing it's like just that commitment and that was part of the survival yeah, mode thing definitely and i think it's taken like this year in the gold coast to really feel finally like settled and like i have the space and the room because when we started tenfold i was still just like waiting on my residency not yes. knowing what was happening and like feeling really overwhelmed by work and everything and not feeling like you have a full enough tank yeah to, to do something like that um but yeah so it was just really cool yeah. that she honed in on that and that made me really motivated to like get back because we have been talking like lately especially mm -hmm. we're like okay we need to get back into it well, we both like, feel like we actually have the bandwidth now, yeah emotionally yeah. energetically all of those kinds of things so. so yeah that was interesting and then she also right away was like oh you've been through a breakup 
and like I guess you can assume that a lot of the time when people are like I'm in a transitional phase but um yeah she said a couple things about that that I feel like we're very on point um and she also oh this is funny she was like someone's coming with a cup of love but like basically she said it's going to be someone who's really annoying she was like he's gonna have his crank boy yeah she was like he's gonna have his cranky pants on and be a bit reckless but like you can kind of avoid him now that you know it not avoid like i'll probably still meet him and something will happen you but won't like, get entangled yeah too, she said like she could see that i've learned a lot of lessons in love and i'm better at like figuring out earlier on like when something's not going to work out as well and i felt like that was pretty true um she she said like she said she could tell that i'm like very much been, been looking for love and she was like don't give up on that but she said it's not your focus she was like you've come back this life for your dharma so essentially for tenfold and like sharing with the world but like love is just going to be your cherry on top like mm -hmm. your partner she was like you'll definitely have it you're going to have the family that you've always dreamed of she said i'm going to have two boys and i was like oh am i <laughs> um and then yeah she was literally just like don't worry about it like don't lament about it essentially like i don't give up on it but it's going to be there you don't have to really like be so stressed about focus it or like focus on, on it, it like that will come but like she basically said the next year is more like focusing on like myself and and continuing to like get stronger so I was like oh that's it was nice it was kind of like gave me permission to like relax a bit I think and, and just not, enjoy your life yeah and like the, the beautiful life that you've created and um oh this was like she said so much about Baca who's our grandmother who passed away but like we are both really really close with her and um she was basically just said she Baca is my guardian angel and she's around me all the time she was like she's in like every drop of the ocean every grain of sand like mm -hmm. whenever you're talking to her she is there like whenever you think she's there she's there um she basically said Baca is like up there and like dancing in the clouds like <laughs> looking at my life and like knows how amazing it's gonna be and it was just like so beautiful I just yeah. started like sobbing when she started talking about that I part. started sobbing when I you know. told me about I've told it. a bunch of people and most of them get emotional oh. when I tell them because like <laughs> it's just so because you like I thought that already and you can kind of feel that but it's like nice to get well that. if you knew Baca too yeah. that's exactly what you would picture yeah. her doing. Um, and I feel like she was actually really good at describing Baca like the psychic mm -hmm. like and I didn't really tell her anything about Baca so that was really like nice that she could do that um, and yeah she said Baca had been like my mother in a past life she said that our mother had been our sister in a past life mm -hmm. as well so a lot of things about these like different dynamics through time which was really interesting um, and she also said that our parents will get to Australia eventually, maybe a bit later than they hope, probably because of coronavirus. COVID, yes. Yeah, but they'll get here and they'll be happy. So that was also like really reassuring and nice. Um, and yeah, she said overall it was like just such a positive reading. And she said yeah. that I'm just getting brighter and brighter and like heading directly into the sun in a good way. <laughs> a bad way. <laughs> Burning uh, ball of light. Yeah. And she just said my life is going to be like beyond what I could have even expected and just like. She, oh, she said a good metaphor, which was like, my life is like a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. And I just, there's just like the last few pieces are putting into place. And I feel like that it kind of does feel like that because it feels like we've both done so much work over the past like five years when we've been in Australia and like, just well, not even not just the five before years. That, yeah, it's but been it's like, been like accelerated these last five years. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it feels like that. Oh, and she said that I'm going to have a huge year of spiritual growth next year. She was like, I know you think you're conscious right now, but like next year is just, just be wait wild. for it so i was like oh i need to start looking into some things to <laughs> help with that because i had i did a reading with an astrologer like a couple years ago at a festival and he also said a lot about like 
my spiritual path and I feel like a lot of a lot of I my readings like have been yeah, yeah about like really exploring the spiritual side of things so yeah I just feel like I loved it I loved the reading I thought it was so positive and I feel like of course there's like some things that you could probably just guess or like based off things that I'd said but a lot of the stuff she said was very like relevant to me and I don't think would have just applied to, to anyone. anyone yeah um and whatever even if it was like I feel like I still got a lot out of it and it was really positive and like affirmed a lot of the things I was already thinking and just gave me more motivation and like it gave you permission yeah so yeah I definitely loved it and yeah. I would do it again probably I still think the spiritual path thing is really interesting because our grandmother she used to do tarot with regular playing yeah. cards and she would read fortunes with um Turkish coffee yeah with Turkish coffee yeah and I think yeah I do yes. think it's like passing yeah. on the baton and it's time for you to take that up and I think so and start embodying it I'm excited <laughs> I'm excited. I really wanted to go see the psychic after you did, but I just don't think it's the right time for me because I, I, I think you have to do it when you feel called to do it, and like and when a when a period has ended, or yeah. I feel like I'm right in the middle of a of a cycle, basically. Yeah, so I have to kind of wait till I, that's come to fruition, and then I'll I'll go in and see I her think so. she seemed pretty. pretty I legit. feel like I was at a point where I felt like there wasn't much she could say that I'd be like, oh no, because I like my future is very open at the moment. And like, mm -hmm. I was just like, I feel like I'm in a good place and I'm ready to go and just like get that guidance. But I didn't think I'd be upset by anything she said, yeah. really. Um, well, actually what she said, well, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I was going <laughs> to say about your relationship yeah. and how it ended and why mm. it ended was really interesting too. Um, she just was spot on yeah, without she really you having was. to tell her anything. Yeah. And that, I think that was really cool. Yeah. Oh, and it was also interesting because she was like, do you want to find out when you'll meet your like love of your life? And I was like, yeah. But I actually asked her how certain that was because I was like, oh, she says like 10 <laughs> years. I might be a bit like sad. Um, but she was like, oh, basically the reading that I'm doing now is based on your current trajectory, but we all have hundreds of different timelines that are available to us and you can change those timelines day to day based on the decisions you make. And if there's like another timeline you want to be on, you kind of can manifest yourself onto it. But she was like, it can change. Like it's not like set in stone or anything. Um, but she actually still couldn't find out when I would meet my person because she said that the, basically because she's, she said she like channels and she has, I guess kind of spirits and guides that are talking to her. But she was like, oh, they won't, they won't like show me because I think basically they want you to focus on like your other purpose in life and not put so much energy on that. Um, but she did say that Bakar grandmother like knows who he is and like she can see him and she'll be with me when I meet him. And I was like, oh, that's like so beautiful. <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, it was just great. Uh, if you've thought about doing it, I would say go for it because I just thought it was a really positive experience. And I really don't think you'd go to a psychic and they'd be like saying bad I think things. also though just like <laughs> going to the doctor or whatever yeah. make sure you like the person before you go so do a bit of research don't yeah. just go to anyone and like Look take for good everything with a grain of and, salt yeah take yeah. it with a grain of salt and also um the idea with like being psychic or with these things is you get like a vision will come to you or something maybe it's like a white dove or a butterfly or something like that and they don't know always know what the context of it is yeah. so they can guess but the things will come to them and then it's kind of whether or not that's relevant to you yeah and you can interpret it in your own way like there were some things that she said that I repeated to you and you were like oh it might mean this yeah and I hadn't even thought and you about don't it even have way. to actually yeah. tell them no. if, you, if they say something that that resonates with you if they don't understand the meaning of it but you do so it can still be private as yeah. well in that way definitely so 
on to the episode today. Um, we are sitting here in this cabin and we are on vacation. And if you can't be on vacation right now, but you really want to have that feeling, like just that feeling of getting away and really being immersed in something and mm -hmm. that feeling of kind of a first time, uh, one of the things that I would totally recommend is to watch the Netflix show White Lines. Like white lies, but lines as in cocaine. <laughs> and it's not that I'm really into shows about cocaine normally, but uh, this is about this woman who's probably like in her late 30s and yeah she's got a daughter and a husband and she has a brother who went missing like years ago and he had been a big dj on ibiza or ibiza um and then she basically gets a phone call i think that they found his remains and this is like 20 years later or something so then she flies to ibiza herself and starts an investigation to figure out what happened to him and even though the plot sounds serious it's just a really like kind of like That's dramatic a really, in a good way though yeah. like romantic like all of this stuff happens and she's really finding herself it's the first time she's ever been on her own independent um from this life that she's created and uh i feel like it really takes you on a trip like with her and all the character i actually liked most of the characters in the show they were great they yeah. were really great and just the colors like the colors of ibiza were like oh. an instagram filter almost it's that like you are everything golden Europe light like, like it's just it's great. a real mood like you can really feel what it's like to be there and yeah it's yeah like just set up some pillows on the floor <laughs> get yourself yeah. some wine um, some tapas and then just watch the show and it's a real treat so i would 100 percent recommend that and then um also in keeping with the topic mm -hmm. of today um one of the other things i would totally watch is like sisterhood of the traveling pants or something like that yeah like i feel like that inspired me to want to go to greece actually i don't know when that came out but i feel like once i saw that movie especially i was like <gasps> Because it was just so beautiful, like the white and the blue. And it's just, they all go to the different, I think three or two of them, whatever. They three all of the four of them yeah. go abroad. And it's just like that, what is it called? That like shaping experience of your youth where like it's when you're really first realize you're your own person and you're on your own and you can make your own decisions and like forming is that a word? Formative. 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 <laughs> Formative. My brain is working slow. I'm on vacation. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's a formative time in yeah. your life. And I'm sure everyone has had their own like sojourn like that at some point. Uh, so yeah, what we wanted to talk about today was our first times traveling yeah. <laughs> so on well. our own, not together. Um, because we had like different experiences for mm. sure although we both went to europe and it was like kind of around that like 19 20 21 age yeah. where you're really just getting out of adolescence i guess and like exploring your independence and i feel like we had very different experiences but yeah they were both very formative and i think shaped the rest of our lives and it's like kind of why we are where we are today well, yeah, definitely the lessons that I learned from that about myself mm. changed the entire trajectory that I was on. Yeah. And I think even just coming on this like tiny little trip right now, we were both saying when we were like in the new town, we we're like, wow, like any sort of travel like this is just like so good to rewire your brain and get you out of that, like your normal bubble and just make you think about things differently. And it just made us a bit nostalgic of like our first travels. Yes, so we're going to take you back to a time 
on a little island in Greece called Eos. And so when I was in, I think it was about second year of uni, my best friend Sid and I were... So how, how old were you then? You were 19, we were probably. 19. Yeah. yeah, I don't even think we were 20 years old. And this is like before Instagram, like we had internet and laptops and stuff, but I like, I don't even think streaming was a thing. And we found this like really cute random website that was like Matt's like guide to Greece which I'm sure still exists today if it does I'll find it and put it on the the podcast links but um he like talked about how to island hop uh and do all these kinds of things and we spent like a cold snowy (laughs) day in London Ontario where the snow would be like up to five feet just like looking at this website with that had a few pictures and dreaming of like what that would actually feel like because it just felt so foreign and so far away and I remember thinking like, oh, there's no way I'm actually going to get to do this. But this was just like a fun daydream for the day. But she convinced me, I think, to ask my dad. And so I, yeah, I remember asking him like if there was any way I could go to Greece that summer. And I had a job already lined up to work at a summer camp in Wisconsin, which was a really (laughs) interesting experience for another day. Uh, And but because I had that lined up, I think, for July and August, then I had June, like kind of May, May, June June, free. And he said, yeah, okay, sure. I'm so surprised that, like, he said, yeah, for some reason. Yeah. I like they've, Our parents, parents have always been so supportive. great about yeah. travel. That's, like, definitely one, one of their number yeah. one best traits, I yeah. think. Like, so he just was like, sounds good. Like, how much <laughs> do you need? Like, and we, I think we took $1,000 for the month or something. And we went yeah. for a month, which wouldn't be a lot by no. today's standards but Greece is actually so cheap it's so affordable um and we were just backpacking and we so yeah we like got all our things together made an excel spreadsheet like we planned all this out yeah did you book a lot of stuff before you went or no, no. because I don't think that was a thing then. I guess I don't know if those things really it was existed. like 2003 yeah. or 2004 or something I forget but um we yeah, so we bought our flight and then we went over and we had this plan to island hop around and follow this guy's guide. But there were other forces of nature at work. Ooh. Maybe not forces of nature, <laughs> but forces of, of the universe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I still remember vividly like getting on the bus um, when we landed in Athens and then taking the bus to the port and just like looking out and. Was there anything in English? Really? Or was it all like Greek? There was a lot of Greek, but Greeks are like the Greek were so friendly and so helpful and they all spoke English. So it was actually just never a problem. It's like one of the safest countries that I've felt uh, that Mm. I've been to. Um, And yeah, and just like looking out at the scenery, like the way the buildings were, the way everything was. And I think I'd we'd been to Europe when we were younger, but it's like, it's different when you're like eight years old. Yeah. yeah. And then we'd been to Japan and that was very different. So, um, I still had that as reference, but yeah, I hadn't been somewhere like that as a, like as more of an adult, um, yet. So it was my first time. And I remember we arrived at the port and it was just these like giant, massive, like Titanic, like ships. (laughs) I've never seen something like that before. And it wasn't like that nice out either. It was kind of gray and we were yeah. wearing like warm clothes. But we thought, oh, when we get to the islands, when we get to the islands, it's going to be <laughs> like this crazy whatever. And um, yeah, and then we got onto this giant ship and started a 10 hour uh, boat ride to Santorini, which was our first stop. And on that boat ride, I even now to this day, like 
I remember what the seats felt like. I remember this like man who snored the entire <laughs> way. And we were just like, oh my God, it's torture. Um, this super cute Kiwi guy that was like one of, because the, the boat wasn't busy at all, right? Um, who was on the boat with us and we talked to him and he was like, oh, you're going to Santorini. Like I'm going to Eos. And we, Eos was next on our list, but we were like, no, we've got to go to Santorini first. But like this cute guy's here. <laughs> like maybe we'll see him when we get there. And it was just one of those like exciting what's to come, like what I adventure feel like it's awaits. that feeling where everything feels like an opportunity or you almost feel like you're a baby and like everything you see is like a new, exciting, exciting. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just like so good to have new things to process. Um, so, yeah. And then I think we arrived in Santorini like at the break of dawn. And if anyone's been to Santorini, it's just absolutely gorgeous. It is a tourist run island for sure but it, it I think for it's, a reason is it one of the top sites in the world probably or one of those like wonders of so. the world and for, like yeah for such good reason like it's still worth it to go there regardless of how many people are going to be on the island um it was it, originally i think it was in the 60s so, so there's a volcano there's a volcano attached to the island and then in the 60s it erupted and what happened was it melted away like part of the island and, and um, turned it into a crescent moon shape surrounding the remaining volcano. So it's really an interesting, epic. yeah, it's just epic if you're on the caldera, which is like the kind of rock face side where the volcano mm. melted it away. Um, they've like built all these hotels and stuff along the side and just like coming and there's goats and like donkeys and all these things like, yeah, it's just, it's so, yeah, like you're in your own steven spielberg kind of like thing when you come up and you just yeah. see like the boat arriving and like the mist clearing and the sun beginning to rise and this big like cavernous like island like just looming oh. up in front of you um and we hadn't booked a place we had like we just didn't know what to expect we got off this boat with our backpacks and also because we're such big nerds we've gone out to mountain equipment co-op if anyone yeah. from canada knows what that is and bought like ourselves backpacking backpacks and i think mine was like way too big for me did you put canadian flags on them too I yes like we put canadian patches yeah. on them like everything and uh which would have been much better to just have a suitcase like <laughs> but we didn't know at the time what to expect so we had our backpacks and then we got off and it was just mayhem like hundreds of like guys in their uh, taxi cabs and stuff with like um Signs. laminated pictures yeah. of like their hotel stays or their rooms like coming up to you and being like oh i've got a room 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 like this this and this and you know immediately we were like we don't trust anyone like mm. everyone's out <laughs> to scam us what is this and um I don't know how we chose. I can't remember, but this one guy kind of just seemed okay. And we great, great exactly. standards to go by, guys. <laughs> Find someone who seems okay. Oh, what are your daughters up to? And so we got in his car, right? We said, okay, sounds good. Yeah. He said he was at the top. He was like right in the city center. Like, I think the room was like 10, 6 euro or 10 euro. It was like 12 bucks or something Canadian. It was just crazy. Um, and then he took us up. We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. Uh, we just knew we didn't want to have to take a donkey up like with our backpacks. <laughs> and when we got there, it was like the best place ever. It was like a little mini hotel literally in the exact center of town. Um, best location. So cheap. Our room was so deluxe. Right. If we were not backpacking uh, at even even at those prices. Yeah. Um, and actually funny story because that place was so great when I went back with my entire family, <laughs> like how many years later? 2011. Yeah. So what's like that? Like seven, seven eight yeah. years later. 
we stayed at the same place because when great. we looked it up, yeah, on like TripAdvisor or whatever it was, it was listed as like one of the number one places to stay in Santorini. And so at the time when we had gone, I think he had just started out and yeah, it had made a name for itself um, just for its great prices and its cleanliness. And you'd get an amazing breakfast every morning. Mm. Like it was just yeah, it was so fortunate again. And so we stayed there for a week. Um, I remember it was so cold, actually. So I think we got there at the end of April because that was when exams had finished in Canada. And we had expected, yeah, like bikinis, all that kind of stuff, like, you know, obvious tourist trap. And then we ended up just wearing the same, like, I think we both had like, what was it like jean capris oh yeah that was that time <laughs> oh my god jean capris and i think jean jacket so we were wearing like a canadian tuxedo oh out god. of like necessity right <laughs> and um and this like homeless dog on the street adopted us and just like followed us around oh, yeah, i think by I smell probably yeah and he would like if we'd go into a restaurant i think he'd just wait for us outside and then he would like go around with us and we just loved him and so like yeah we just had this adventure for the week and then at the end of the week it was like okay now it's time to go to eos right and we got on the ferry again and it was i think only like an hour ride or something mm -hmm. to eos is not very far and when we got to eos it was just like oh mm -hmm. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah we were supposed to go to like two or three places after and we never ended up going we spent the rest of our month in eos and it's kind of like the rest was history it was just everything we'd ever wanted our lives to be mm -hmm. basically um just all young people from mostly from australia and england i would say mm. like not that many canadians and stuff and irish actually um and everyone was just there to work actually for the whole summer which we didn't know was a thing so we were like learning all these new things we didn't know existed basically yeah. that we wouldn't have found out back home um and we lived on this like amazing island that i think is under 5,000 people during low season and then in high season can get up to 15,000. So it really like, yeah, that's huge. It just changes. Um, and so we were there a bit early, which was great. So we got to know like all the people who are going to be regulars and they were all looking for work. And um, it was the first time that I had ever met Australians in my life. And I think before that they'd had a bad reputation in Canada as being like loud yeah, and boring. Just and like party freaks who... Get yeah really kind of like what other like, people think about americans yeah. from outside yeah. america like north america um but they were just awesome like they Did were you so understand them at first or were their accents hard do you remember i can't yeah. i think we laughed at some things they said yeah. and would be like what but uh because they also like have their own vocabulary yeah. too right mm -hmm. um but they were just awesome and it, this is one of the things like that was the first time that ever happened to me and it was my first lesson in that because uh, sometimes like I like I was popular in school and had those kinds you of always things had but, friends yeah. yeah but like sometimes it just with certain people you would feel like there must be something wrong with you like or, an alien like, like I wouldn't know what to say yeah. and I'm and I am quite talkative like and I would just yeah. feel so out of place all of a sudden and yeah and and like really question kind of who I was and just not vibe with them basically mm. but I didn't have that kind of terminology at the time right to explain it but when I met these Aussies and actually so with Sid, like because we lived together in London, Ontario, mm. um, we didn't have like a we had like a group of friends, but we didn't have a group of guy friends, which is what we really wanted at that time. And I remember just and just like going out friends. I yeah, think. yeah, like our because our the friends that we had didn't really like want to go out and dance and do all that kind of stuff. And 
I remember just kind of like, yeah, feeling on the outskirts of like that situation. And I think there was like this like cool group in uni mm. that like a bunch of these like cool jockey guys and stuff, but we just weren't a part of it. Like, and um, yeah, and you just mm. had this feeling like, oh, maybe I'm a nerd, even though like we weren't nerds. But, yeah. you know, like it just was a just feeling like, of displacement. <laughs> but then when we got to EOS, it was like the Aussie guys that we met there were just our best friends, like right off the bat. And that's when I realized I'm not awkward. Like <laughs> there's nothing wrong with me. Like these people are my people, you know, like, yeah. and that just sometimes it's, that's just what it is. Like, and like what I've learned like since then is that um my favorite analogy is like the radio station where they say yeah Yeah. if you wait if you want to like attract a like you attract the frequency that you're putting out so like if you're playing country music you're going to attract country music listeners right Mm. if you're playing rock music you'll attract rock music listeners so i feel like probably at um the university of western ontario where we went like the people that were there maybe they were like country music and we were pop or something you know and And we're on the same yeah and then when we got to australia like the guys (laughs) that we met there i was like oh i can have lots of guy friends like i am totally like there's yeah Yeah. there was no mystery to it and no effort required like absolutely no effort Mm -hmm. we were just all friends and it was awesome and um the girls too right so that was like my first time really feeling at home and feeling like i'd found a, a place where i belonged yeah. and i felt like myself and i never questioned That's myself huge. or felt different or other um yeah so that was just like obviously that felt so light and just yeah, yeah really amazing um so <laughs> we just had so much fun and then sid and i got jobs at uh i think it was disco 69 then i'm not I sure that it's called disco I know. 69 and like i think the other bar was satisfaction so <laughs> just, and we didn't need to get these jobs but we did it um just because everyone else was doing it it seemed like fun and you could it wasn't like a super serious thing so i think you'd get paid like 20 euro for the night and mm. you get free drinks like up to a certain point and then 20 euro a night is perfect for paying for your rent and for your food for the next day so we just had the best time and like became little locals for like three weeks so and nice. wish we could stay but we'd both like already booked these jobs back home i was going yeah to did sp- you have that like awful end of summer feeling where you're like because it sounded like everything was so amazing and then did you yeah. have that dread of like oh. well I didn't know what the camp was going to be like and I thought it would be exciting so <laughs> I thought oh it's like I have another adventure ahead of me yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert it was a very interesting experience <laughs> but um, that's definitely like for a different time um, but yeah so we stayed in touch oh and so this is also one of the things i wanted to say was there was no instagram at the time right and internet like on the island we'd have to pay i think it was a dollar for 15 minutes or something Mm. so you wouldn't really go on the internet that often you would only like write home to write an email or something to your friends um and um yeah without instagram existing like it was like it felt more like when we arrived at the islands because we really didn't know what to expect. It was like, if you've ever watched the movie, the beach with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, like that feeling, like you really felt like an explorer. And then it's like a new world. Yeah, yeah. We like turned up on this tiny Island Eos and it turned out to be this like amazing party Island with like, well, it is cool. Cause like since internet wasn't as big then, like it's like you 
kind of had to stumble upon it or like no yeah. someone who knew it. It or felt like discovery and you would really would not know unless mm. it was word of mouth or that guy's website yeah. that we found that just gave like a paragraph about it and like maybe three photos, right? So you mm. really had no idea what the vibe would be or the feeling or anything. And um, it just felt like we'd stumbled upon a delicious secret. So yeah, so many special memories. And then we loved it so much. And then ha I had such a horrible experience at the <laughs> camp after um, that the next year we were just like, we have to go back. We have to go back. And like all of our guy friends were going back to, or maybe they'd spent like the year in England or something mm. doing like a working holiday. Um, and then they were renting a van and like making their way back to Greece. And yeah, so we... Oh, yeah. So well, I have a lot of stories, actually, because when I was an au pair, too, but maybe Ooh. I'll save that for later. Um, but yeah, so we went back with some of our friends and we went back for a month again. And then I ended up also lining up another job after that. That was to be an au pair for it was supposed to be for like three months in Italy. Mm. Um but some other things happened that I will talk about later. But why don't we segue to your story first and then I'll tell my au pair story after. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, my first time was in, it was the summer after first year uni. Mm -hmm. So I'd finished first year and I didn't have a job lined up. <laughs> um, and I was just like, ah, oh, what am I going to do? Um, and I'd always loved French, like a always did well at French in school and I just like learning languages um and Alex had had her au pair experience that she'll elaborate on um and I was just like maybe I can go be an au pair in France and just like learn French and as we said like our parents are so supportive of travel and stuff that I was like they'll like let me do this because it will combine like learning French and yeah all that stuff um so I basically just like went on this website I think it was called like au pair world and it's basically like online dating but to find families that you can go live with and nanny their children um so yeah I just literally found a random French family and like emailed this woman a couple times and I think maybe we talked on the phone once and then I just bought a ticket to fly to Marseille like a couple weeks later um and I just like arrived in the airport and I feel like I don't really remember that well like my whole thought process going into it and I think I was nervous but I think I was just more relieved to like be doing something in the summer and not feel like a complete failure <laughs> like that was a lot of my motivation was like oh I don't have a job so I need to like do something um but yeah I basically just arrived at the airport and luckily they actually existed and were real people <laughs> and um came to pick me up i think the dad came with three kids so it was it was um, um the mom was actually from holland but then had moved to france and the dad was i think from paris and then they lived in the south of france and they were both flight attendants for i think maybe for air france um and they actually had met on the job and i think they told me that they had both like had other partners when they met each other and oh. then like yeah so a bit of scandal there um yeah and then they had three kids so the kids were like pretty young i think it was like two five and seven maybe so there's a, a boy and then a girl and then a boy um and it was just like i feel like i was kind of a fish out of water because it was such a like random thing to just like drop into someone's house and be like okay yeah right into their lives yeah, they gonna, speak a different language <laughs> like. it was like a lot um and also the family so they had a house in the south of france but then like they had bought another house like down the street that they were going to move into and they planned to like do all this work on it so the parents had actually taken time off to start working on the house but like the house wasn't ready to start working on 
So they were at home all the time when I first started, which was like really awkward because the kids obviously were so young and like I'm just like some random girl. That is so awkward if you're babysitting. Yeah, like they're not home. It's they're not going to like bond with this new random girl (laughs) who doesn't speak French very well. Um, So, yeah, it was really awkward at the beginning. And the parents were kind of like, oh, you're like not bonding with the kids that well. And I was like, oh, Um, but then it like it worked out in the end. So stressful. I think they started working on the house. And then like I mainly was looking after like the youngest one who was two because I think the others maybe were in like school or nursery school sometimes um and then yeah i just got into this like actually this really nice routine in the french countryside oh and also i had said that i could drive but i couldn't actually drive a manual car (laughs) and they only had a manual car so i got there and then they were like oh so they were like already disappointed failure yeah which was like a huge thing for me and i was like oh no uh but then it was fine yeah and then i just got into like a nice routine in their house in the countryside and like they had this dog that they'd adopted from the side of the road because they just like found him and they called him limpy but like with a french accent because he had a limp but it would be like um and then i would just go for walks like every night in the countryside with the dog and it was beautiful because like the french countryside is gorgeous it has that like those rocky like kind of cliff things Mm -hmm. and it was like near the ocean so it was like I feel like it was the first time I was like maybe almost like having meditative experiences because I just went for these like solo walks with their dog mm-hmm. every night. Um, and then, yeah, what else? Like, I feel like the kids definitely like bonded with me eventually, which was nice. I feel like the youngest one would always be like, Victoria. <laughs> it was like really, really cute. You just like call after me. Um and then I did, so they were really like remote in the countryside. They were, they were like kind of up the hill from this little town. And like the hills there is like, it's technically a two-way street, but how you drive is like all these curvy, windy hills. And you just have to like honk every time you go around the corner because there's not actually room for two cars. Oh so like one God. car would have to like stop and like, so even if I had a manual car I, or knew how to drive manual, I think I would be like terrified to drive there. Um but yeah they were like near this tiny little town at the bottom of the hill but then all the other towns like you would have to drive to so i was pretty like stuck in the countryside um but i did meet there was like another au pair nearby who was russian and she actually didn't speak english so she only spoke russian and french and then she had a french boyfriend so they took me to like a party once and i think i went to the beach with them so i like kind of had friends yeah (laughs) kind of um but yeah it was interesting oh and the neighbor took me out once who was a boy who was like actually kind of cute and i was like ooh, "Ooh, a neighbor um and i remember it was really funny because i like got dressed up and like put makeup on and the kids came into my room and were like oh i've like never (laughs) seen me wearing makeup before and i was like oh always the best like i know but i was like i guess that means i look nice um and then i went why do i look like the rest i know but actually it was one of those things that was like I was like, what is the meaning of this? Because I think I had like started to get sick that day and I had like a weird sore throat. So like I couldn't speak that well. And I already couldn't speak French that well. I was already like nervous about speaking. Oh, so it was like this ultimate combination. Totally. It's like self-inflicted. Yeah, I think it was like a nervousness thing. And then I went out. So it was like the neighbor and his friend and like two girls. But like I feel like French people, I don't want to stereotype but, or generalize, but like from my experience, they're not always like the friendliest off the bat and mm-hmm. i feel like the girls like didn't really say anything to me like normally i feel like if you're like a like a random person joining a group they would like ask you a lot of questions yeah. or like kind of get to know you but i feel like they didn't really care so i was basically just like sitting in a corner and then trying to like 
listen to what they were saying, but it's really hard to like understand conversation in another language in a bar and when you can't like see people's oh, mouths yeah. as well. So I was just kind of like awkwardly like, uh, oh. <laughs> my throat hurts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there are all these um, like experiences and learning curves there where I feel like I, up to that point in my life, I was so used to like being perfect all the time You've almost. never been tested no and like doing and like having all the comforts of like family and friends and like knowing how to do everything and i just basically like threw myself into an entirely new world and i feel like the beginning was really hard because yeah i didn't bond with the kids it was just like a weird situation and i was like i'm not doing a good job um and i was really stressed about it but there was like something in me and probably like our parents too where i was like i can't like go home or like i can't fail this so i just mm-hmm. like stuck with it um but then it was great in the end and like I was really good friends with the family and like I felt like by the end of that I was like oh like you would have had so much reward I did yeah I did and I think I was lucky because they had some like wonderful internet plan where I could just like use their internet to phone home all the time that makes it I know I think I phoned every day and then I had email so I would like be emailing all my friends in Greece that year or no I don't think you would have been because you would have just finished it would be your first year out of uni, oh, maybe. So okay. I don't know what you were doing. Maybe just been, working. Yeah. I guess you were just working. Oh, yeah, because you came to meet me later. Oh, um, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just feel like I wrote my friends all these epic emails like about my non-existent life in the French countryside. Where I was like, today I walked the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, I'd had this whole saga about the neighbor. I'd be like, oh, the cute neighbor. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was like interesting and then i so i was only there for two months and in this family and then i was kind of trying to figure out what i wanted to do because our cousin was actually in paris at the time and i'd also visited like our family friend slash uncle who was in nearby in the south of france i was like oh maybe i can just go like stay in his apartment and like live in perpignan for like a few months or like maybe i can stay with our cousin in paris and i was like flitting through all these ideas because i was like well i don't know if i want to stay with another family um because it had been good, but it was, like, so isolated in the countryside. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I don't want to be in the country again. Like, I want to do something Wait, what different. were they doing after you were gone? Um, They were moving to their new house. And then they got... They already had, like, another au pair okay. lined up. Yeah. But I forget. I think they maybe just wanted a short-term one while they were renovating. And then... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really remember. <laughs> Actually, I remember I got annoyed at them at the end because they... Like, you only get... I think I was getting paid, like... 300 euros a month or something mm-hmm. which isn't that much to work no. every day all the <laughs> and and it, yeah life. and like i think i left their place like june 26th or something and they like paid me less money oh my god but i'm like it's not like it's actually like an hourly rate or something like i was just no. like it's not that much to begin with and i was like oh this is stingy <laughs> so stingy yeah. um but anyways i actually ended up finding another family in belgium in this city called liege which is like i think maybe like the third biggest city in belgium but i was like oh this is perfect because it's like a city it's opposite of country um and it was also three kids again and it was this um woman who was a single mom and I ended up getting there. Actually, <laughs> I think I got on the wrong train on the way there and ended up in like a Dutch speaking part of Belgium yeah. and was just like, oh, hello. <laughs> and then it was, like, yeah, it was like a whole saga to get there. But I made it and then they weren't even home. And I was like sitting on the stoop of their house and they had this like giant, I guess it's like kind of a row house or like what you picture in New York, like attached houses, but like really big ones. So it was like three or four levels it was huge yeah kind of like a brownstone um 
And then it was like such an opposite experience because I got there and the kids just like jumped on me right away and were like so outgoing and like energetic and they were they were a bit older so like it makes sense but um they like right away they were just like ah let's go to the park let's do this and i was like whoa this is a very different experience <laughs> um and then the mom like this mom was kind of crazy but like so gossipy yeah. i remember you like writing me emails about it I, like her life was a soap opera and like the first day that i got there she was like okay i'm gonna go like stay at my secret boyfriend's house like just tell the kids i'm with my sister um because she was like a journalist but then she was dating the mayor of the town so it was like a conflict of interest mm. um and like, she just like left me with her kids the first night that i was there Did she, didn't she have a boob job or something yeah so she was which like obviously isn't a big deal now but at the time it was so like and she has a boob job well, it's because <laughs> she was tiny like she was really skinny and all she ever ate was like diet pepsi and then like diet yogurt with like cereal like that's like all she <laughs> ate and then she just had giant boot like it was so, just an obvious boot job because she was so tiny otherwise yeah. um and yeah she was just like she had so many secrets like she was like oh because she would smoke too but she was like i told everyone i quit smoking so i don't tell them so like, everything <laughs> she did would be like a secret and then she went on a vacation with her boyfriend for a week but she was like oh i told my sister i was going with like my friends so like, she was just like literally like piled all of her secrets on and how me. old was she i feel like she was probably like around our age like wow. mid early 30s maybe yeah. but she had her kids really young um and then the dad was I don't know if he was living in the Congo or in Belgium, but I think I met him at one point, actually. But, yeah, she was just, like, raising the kids on her own. But I think she was pretty busy with work and her crazy secret lives. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I was just, like, with those kids all the time. But it was really cool to be in the city and, like, be able to just, like, go shopping and do the things I couldn't yeah. do in the middle of the countryside. And then they actually had another au pair before me who was this Canadian girl and she came back while I was there and she'd been there for like years I think studying French and stuff so and she, she was, was their au pair for years or yeah she was their wow. pair for like one or two years I think um so she came back at one point and then I got to hang out with her and all of her friends so it was just like so much more of a social and like exciting experience um and then you came to meet me halfway yeah, through yeah we met in Barcelona yeah for four days yeah <laughs> Alex came to Europe for four days. I think it was days. a full four days. It's because I had started this new job and I was so like, have to be a good employee. So I asked for only like four days off to go to Barcelona and then come back. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, Nobody would have cared, but yeah, no. we were just overachievers in the in the most unnecessary <laughs> way. Um, and I also went to Paris to visit our cousins. So, like, I had a lot of weird breaks during the Belgian au pair experience because I think they went on vacation with their dad or something so yeah it was like a great experience because i also just like took the train for like a day sometimes and would like go to a random city and like i think i went to a city in like holland for a day and i went to like luxembourg so, so i nice. had all these little like jaunts around europe um i imagine like what your confidence would have been from like when you first left toronto to like oh. the end of that summer having had all those experiences i'd and never yourself done thrown into these different yeah i'd like never done anything on my own and like literally you're there in in your second third language trying to figure out everything like taking trains like there wasn't you didn't have phones like you didn't have your smartphone to like google directions or like yeah. figure out anything um so it was how yeah. did we find stuff did we have maps i can't yeah i don't even no like i would <laughs> when I, no i feel like one of my favorite things to do would be to like take a train to a city and then just like wander from the train station around but i didn't even have a map or anything i just like remembered somehow used my brain power yeah <laughs> um but yeah it was definitely 
it was just like so out of my comfort zone and like so crazy like when I think about it and I was like I was like I maybe I was 20 or 19 and I literally just flew to Europe on my own and lived with two random families taking care of their children in French like and just like yeah it was I don't know I'm still proud of my I know I'm proud of my like younger self for doing it and getting through it because I think there were I think I definitely had some dark times during that time where I was like oh like I don't know how long I can do this or like did I make a mistake or like yeah but then it just I feel like it taught me so much but we'll get into more of that in a bit (laughs) (laughs) so should we talk about my yeah so we've been in Greece and then we went to France and then we went to Belgium and now we're gonna go to Italy so we're taking you all around Europe (laughs) I hope you can feel the warmth and the sunshine smell the pizza (laughs) (laughs) um actually I don't think I had pizza when I was what it was like blasphemy I wasn't there for that long but (laughs) 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 so anyways I think I started to say uh my best friend Sid and I went back to Greece the next year because I had an au pair job lined up in Italy um and I think my first mistake with that was that I wasn't actually interested in Italy or learning Italian but when I was on the au pair website um that I liked the situation of the family, I think. Yeah. Because I couldn't drive, so a lot of them I couldn't do. Most of them want you to drive. Yeah, yeah, want you to be able to drive. And so they didn't need someone who could drive. They said they were close to town, and there was, like, a bus you could take, and everything was really easy. Um, and they had two kids, like, a little girl and a little boy. And the little boy was autistic, um, but, like, quite high-functioning. And because Tori and I grew up mm. taking care of these two autistic boys across the street, I had a lot of experience with it. Um and I was like, oh, well, like that's kind of how we bonded when I was corresponding with them. So I got the job and I was like excited to go over and yeah, and have this kind of little adventure and learn Italian, which I heard was really easy to learn. And I already had like a base in Spanish and French. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then when I had that booked lined up for the two or three months or whatever, I again, like the same as the year before, had uh, like June, like kind of May I think it was like May, a bit of April free. Um, And so I asked my dad again, thinking that it wasn't (laughs) possible. He was going to say no. He's going to say that's too much. You're being crazy. Something, something. If um, I could possibly go back to Greece since I was already going to be in Europe and just go a little bit early and then go to Italy after. Because even though I'd had the best time ever in Greece last year and Sid and I would not like stop (laughs) and shut up talking about it to everybody in Greece. Yeah. And um. I still like felt like it was too much to go for the whole summer. Like you couldn't do something that reckless. Like mm. whereas it's so funny when you think about the culture now and people oh, going yeah. to Bali forever and like doing, you know, it's just like that's what people do now. But and and they did it then too. But just where I came from and yeah, you didn't have the internet to like Instagram like, or things to show you how. Yeah, it just felt yeah. like that was asking for too much. So, um, yeah. So I I wanted to see if I could just tack it on to the beginning of my. Italy job and my dad said yes again so um it was just yeah (laughs) thank you and it was like just felt like a dream come true that I would get to go back and like we knew our friends were going to be there um and this time we had two of our friends from Canada come with us um Jackie and Jocelyn Mm. and so the four of us like went over it was so fun to be able to show our friends like yeah well, all the things we've been talking about basically mm. and then we all got jobs again together at like disco 69 <laughs> and we found this amazing um apartment that the four of us could stay in it was like four beds in one big room but it was like this grand old room like and i think we paid basically nothing for it and just had like the month of our lives like gallivanting around this little island and then 
Uh, and then it was time for us all to disperse. And like, I think Sid was still staying for a bit longer before mm. she went back to work. And then I think Jackie and Jocelyn had to go home and I went to Italy. And so when I turned up at this place, uh, it turned out that it wasn't exactly how they described it would be. <laughs> so it was this beautiful old stone house, like on the side of a like in the mountain, basically. Um, but it was so far away from the highway and nowhere near any town. And I... It was basically like if you turned off the highway, you would be driving down like a winding wooded road um, that you couldn't walk on. Like even if yeah. I wanted to like walk half an hour basically to get to the highway to then like walk to the bus stop to get a bus into town. I just like it was too dangerous. Mm. Um, so I was in this place and I was so stuck, like so stuck right away. And they had this giant dog like guard dog that was really scary and I love dogs but this dog was like terrifying and I felt like I couldn't leave the house <laughs> like I couldn't even go outside basically if I was home and um not so in your situation the first family was home all the time which would yeah. have been so awkward um but my family wasn't home at all and which neither were the kids so literally <laughs> it was just me in this like stone cottage with this scary dark guard dog that I couldn't go outside with um, which would have been fine if I had internet, but they only had like dial up internet and it was really expensive. So they asked me to like limit it to, I think like 10 minutes a day and that was it. So I couldn't call anyone. I didn't have a cell phone or anything like that. I couldn't like even write out proper emails to friends, yeah. like no communication. I was just stuck in this house. Like in quarantine, but without I was internet. like in quarantine without <laughs> internet. And I think I had, I had one Italian workbook about learning the language that I completed in the first week. Mm. And I had one book that I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to read this book like eight times. Like I, I what, what else am I going to do? So the kids, it turned out, had their own babysitter, like this Italian woman who was their babysitter. And she would take them to school or like to their activities and stuff. And then they would come back at 3 p.m. and pick me up. Um, to take me out to go get gelato so that so was like my one like the third kid <laughs> yeah i was like the third kid or like felt like i was so like the dog that they, they were just taking want out you to walk? like teach english then or like what what do you think i do think eventually the kids were going to be home more often oh, okay. but nothing was really communicated to me and so it was that awkward thing of like What's you're just your like role? in someone's yeah. house and i did feel really like they weren't they were nice but i i was like am i supposed to clean all the dishes now or am i supposed to even eat with you like i it it's not like I like bought my own place. groceries. Like, I didn't know yeah. what I was allowed. Like, it just everything was very awkward. I think at one point she was like, oh, are you going to do the ironing? And I was like, oh, yeah, sh like, sure. Like, but w that's not even in our culture back home to iron yeah. everything. But like, which was fine. But it was more, I felt like I, I never knew what was expected of me. Yeah. Like, and I, I think having like a list or being like, these are going to yeah. be your responsibilities. This is like how your day is going to go would have really helped. But mm. I just... Yeah, and like they were like really busy, and she was worked in a beauty salon, I think, and he was a police officer. Um, and the kids were so cute, but I just never saw them, like, mm -hmm. which was sad. And then, uh, yeah, and then so I think like two weeks went by, and like they'd had this, this all I remember they had a big bag of cherries like in a garbage bag that someone had given to them or something from like Amazing. the nearby trees and i just like spent two weeks eating cherries like eating so many cherries <laughs> Getting i, I just sick. thought about like what's that movie witches of eastwick or something and yeah. there's like a cherry i feel like there's a whole cherry scene in that oh, anyways i, I just I had a flashback to that <laughs> that was me um 
and then I also remember the two food things like eating they had these like fried balls one night at dinner and I thought they were chicken balls like you know Chinese chicken yeah. balls I don't know why I thought that and then I bit into it but it was a fried olive and I don't like uh. olives <laughs> to pretend I was like oh. yeah. you know like that like oh god because you know olives are so potent like in there taste but anyways uh yeah so then they had this cat right that like would kind of come in and out or whatever and one day when i was home alone um the cat came in and like got on my bed and was bleeding and making all these noises and uh after a while i was like i think this cat is pregnant right but like mm. i i'm pretty sure i had asked before or said something about the cat and they're like oh she's like fat or something <laughs> and they didn't really say much about it and then so i called the dad at work and i said like the cat's bleeding like i don't know what to do she's making all this noise and he's like oh she's pregnant like that's women's stuff like not for me or of something course. and like hung up the phone and i was just like ah, i was like freaking out because i didn't know what to do and then uh, i think i called the mom and then she's like okay I'll, I'll like come back home um and then actually it was a really cool experience to watch the cat start yeah, giving that birth. Really like cool. I'd never seen anything like that. And like I was so not in tune with nature at the time either. Um, and then when the mom came home, like she put them in like a box, you know, mm. like with a blanket, all that kind of stuff. And then I, th I forgot, I just went to go do something and then I came back and I was like, oh, like because there were four kittens at the time. But then when I came back, there were only three kittens. <laughs> and I was like. Oh, oh like where's where's the fourth kitten what happened and she was like oh like four four is too many so i put it in the garbage and i was just like what <laughs> like i just I was shocked your face yeah, yeah and then like the kids came home and they were like oh like so excited about their little kittens and i was just like what the hell like if you're gonna have a cat you're not gonna neuter it like fine that's fine like go and have yeah. the kittens but like don't and like what is the difference between three to four kittens like it was just it really like rubbed me the wrong way and I, I was already kind of on edge about everything that had been happening and um i had also been when i was able to trying to oh i was like collect call collect calling our parents and yeah. saying like i don't think this is working i don't know how i'm gonna spend the whole summer here like there doesn't seem to be any end in sight. I'm just by myself. I've run out of things to do. I'm just spending every day just sitting around, right? Like literally sitting around with no entertainment. Mm. Um, and my parents were so harsh. Like, so this is the flip side. Like they were just like, stop complaining. Stop calling us. We don't want to hear it. Mm. Like go, you know, whatever, just do it. Um, and like just wouldn't listen to me or like acknowledge yeah. and it's so funny because like the year before when I had worked at that summer camp um which was like I would say it wasn't an awful experience but it was an awful place and so it was a funny experience because I was there with a friend but um it was an awful place and we would call our parents because it was like really cold and there's all these tornadoes all the time oh and God, it was like I forgot about yeah that. it was just like not and we didn't have proper like insulation or anything in our ca like the cabins had wire mesh windows it didn't even have a glass window to close so mm. like during all this time we were just like exposed to this oh like, we'd always have to go into the bathroom for tornado warnings and stuff and like it was just kind of a miserable time and like even like the camp director was like this is the worst summer we've ever had yeah. um, and I remember mm calling my parents and the same thing being like can i come home this is awful like blah 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 we really want to get out of here and my parents being like suck it up like <laughs> stop complaining we don't want to hear it it was basically the same thing but then 
at the end of the summer they came to pick me up like we did kind of a road trip so they came to like because it was by near chicago so they came to chicago or like to Wisconsin. the camp yeah. with you right yeah. to pick us up and then we we're going to have like a little family trip and when my dad saw the campgrounds and saw the cabin he was like oh like this is awful <laughs> it was a really wealthy camp but then how yeah. they treated the counselors was really pretty atrocious and so then he was like oh I like that is awful I'm sorry that you had to stay here like because he just wouldn't believe me and then you would think like a year later yeah. if I'm calling and I'm having the same kind of story like you I'm not the girl who cried wolf right like yeah it's like I've legitimately proved that this if I'm gonna say something it's like That's a saying true. it for a reason yeah. but anyways they really like just made me feel like I was all alone like I was so mm. alone in the world and I felt so desperate and I didn't know what to do and then that cat thing just like pushed me over the edge yeah and I think the next day I was like that's it like I'm quitting and I'd never quit anything like something yeah. like that before in my life where I felt like I had a lot of responsibility um but I just I just couldn't do it and I told the dad that I was I had to go and so I had a plan where I was like I have my flight back to Toronto it was I still remember it was September 4th um and I think that would have been like June at that point and I was mm -hmm. like if I go I can go back to Greece and then I can like get a job and I can stay there until my flight back so my parents don't have to buy me another flight back yeah. and I can like save them money and like I was just so worried about the money spent and all that kind of stuff but I didn't really have my own money at the time so I had to, an emergency credit card from mm -hmm. then and I was so worried because I was gonna have to use it to get to Greece and like I think I bought a flight for like 200 euro or, so, or yeah. something like that, which really isn't that much no. in the long, like the scheme of things when I had no other money that I was like <laughs> even asking them for or doing. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, so I remember he, the dad was really upset, but then he's like, okay, I'll drive you tomorrow to the bus stop. Like, and then, yeah. And then I had to leave the family. Um, but I also love that. Like after your experience, we were all like, I should go be an open. <laughs> which is so funny but um yeah so he yeah it just I think I'd never like so this is also was my first real thing alone on my own mm. right and also my first time like really disappointing people like which yeah because I, I feel like doing. we are so like raised so much to like not ever disappoint don't anyone. rock the boat don't yeah, you know don't get be, in trouble be the best like yeah. you know try your hardest like be straight a and um yeah so it was a big deal for me to do that so i was going through a lot emotionally and then but there was also that sense of like freedom like when i got on the bus yeah. and i knew i wasn't gonna have to be there anymore because i was really depressed and knowing that i was going to greece and like something i it was like a safe place and my my best friend was still there um, but I couldn't contact people. So it would be like I sent an email being like, I'm coming back. But like, that's it. Then like, wait two days and to yeah. see if someone has gotten the email. Right. And uh, yes, yeah, so I took this bus to the airport. I bought that ticket. Like I felt so scandalous. Um, and then I got to Greece and I took that that magic ferry like over like the 10 or 11 hour ferry at that point to Eos. Um, arrived late at night and I was just. I remember I was journaling, journaling, journaling because that's the only entertainment that I had. Yeah. I didn't even have like a, another book or something at the time. Um, and that would have been like kind of my meditative experience, mm. right? To like write down all my thoughts and like keep me from having anxiety attacks. Uh, and and then I remember arriving in EOS like at midnight and it was that same thing where like all those guys come up to you like asking you for rooms and stuff and I felt overwhelmed and I just knew I needed to get up there but I didn't need a room because I was going to just jump in with my yeah. friends um and then someone said 
Alex out of like the throng that crowd <sighs> and it was this guy that I had known from a different hostel or like a hotel yeah. or whatever and he was like hey like you need to ride up like and he was he was like working for them and just gonna take them up and it was like oh like sunshine you, you just feel like it must have felt so good yeah and like because it was midnight too and like yeah. You, yeah it was just it was great and then um yeah and then he took me up and then I remember I think I found my I don't know if I found my friends but I knew they were staying so I went back to the room because it wasn't locked or something <laughs> got changed and then um went out and like ran into like the guy I'd had a crush on before Aww. and he just was like Alex like and like big yeah. like picked me up bear hug like her you know just where you're like oh my god well, I made the right you, decision yeah you must like, have had so much of that fear and doubt being like oh am I a failure I felt like, blah, a, blah, like blah. a horrible person and which then, I know sounds extreme but yeah. that's just what happened and that's also part of like when you're on your own and you go through like the gamut of emotions yeah. but you come out so much stronger right and like sense of self and stuff and then it wasn't so that was like a great night and stuff but then my friends weren't staying for long and I was now staying for the whole summer so it was me by myself and like not everyone that we had known was like still there so I think I met some random girls like the next night who were staying and yeah. ended up finding a place with one of them like and staying in this room with her and like <laughs> And then I had to find a job and I had, I think by the time it was just like a few days later and I was like, I have like, it was like I had 20 euro left and that was it. And if I didn't get a job, like I really didn't know what I was going to do. And I was so, so down at that point yeah. again. I just, my parents weren't talking to me really. Like, um, it was just, yeah, it was just so lonely. So even though I'd had the most amazing experience the time before, um, and still there were like great things I I found it uh, that second summer, like the second part of it, just so hard because I was so hard on myself. Um, yeah. And yeah, but it was also a very transformative time for me and like learning all the things I could do on my own and like less realizing what you're made of. I think exactly. And like I found a job right in like literally like the final hour, like before I <laughs> had nothing left. I found a job and, um, at this restaurant and then I worked there for the rest of the summer every day. Um, I had my little apartment. I like learned how to take care of myself, mm -hmm. right? And I I think I saved up enough money to like buy my I had to buy a ferry back to go back to Italy cuz my flight was from Italy. Uh, and then yeah. like yeah, and then even like getting back to Italy, like it was all like I went on a bus and then a ferry across from Greece to Italy and no one knew where I was at the time or what I was yeah. doing and I was just this like little girl basically on her own in Europe um where anything could happen and you didn't like I remember getting off the ferry and everyone just started running and I was like where are we running yeah. to <laughs> so I just started running too and I, yeah. I saw someone with a Canadian flag on their backpack so I just started following them uh -huh. um and because like yeah and then I got back and I got back to the airport somehow and I had like four days of no communication with anyone no yeah. internet no like no one would have known if something happened to me in that time right Crazy. and that was just like really you truly on your own mm. um but um yeah it was just it was so yeah it yeah. was so Im an important time in my life like even though the second half was <laughs> was sad uh but it really changed me and well, i think you learned so much right yeah so we want to go over like each of our top three kind of lessons i think from these solo experiences that changed our entire yeah. lives and also 
just because we did this at like 1920 and we had these experiences mm. like i've had so many other experiences like this since then because oh, yeah doing it once made me see what the benefit was of it and testing myself and yeah, getting out yeah. of my comfort zone um and it just makes you so fearless so that's why i've been able to go on and just live a really amazing life as well yeah. i would describe it right with so many well, it's a trajectory for both of us because after that first summer for me then i went and like worked in quebec the next summer and then i went in exchange in paris and then like i went to costa rica but like mm -hmm. i don't think i would have done any of those things if i didn't have the first experience and you like tested your metal yeah and knew that i could do it and knew how much like of a growth experience it was to do something new and like put yourself in those and uncomfortable that you'll situations always end up better for it no yeah. matter what happens yeah. even if it's bad you'll end up better yeah. for it. um but yeah okay so what are your top three lessons from that time okay so i think one of mine was that like there's just so many different ways to live life because i feel like up until that point i'd just grown up in toronto and like all i knew was like what we knew in toronto and it was basically like get good grades like get into a good school get a good job buy a house like like it just there seemed like a very like much one path to go down and that was like the only thing you could do but seeing the two families that i was uh, the first family they were both flight attendants and like I don't, I don't know what you think of flight attendants in toronto like it's a decent job but like it's not a professional job at like an office or something mm -hmm. um but they still had like a beautiful house in the south of france and just bought a new house and were like renovating their house there and had three kids like they were living a life that i didn't a dream life yeah like i didn't know you could live unless you were super rich or like yeah so it was just very interesting to see that and then of course the woman in belgium was like raising three kids on her own and had this massive brownstone <laughs> house in belgium and was a journalist and had this scandalous life and obviously wasn't living a very traditional life like i thought she was a bit crazy but now looking back i'm like oh i kind of respect her <laughs> for just like living the way that she wanted to and like just yeah enjoying her life so it was just i think for me it just really took away my blinders in some ways and was like I, and i realized there you can live life in so many different ways and it doesn't just have to be yeah getting an office job and doing that path so it was the first like hint of that for me where i was like oh like maybe <laughs> there are other things you can do yeah. other ways to live and i don't I'll think it really behind the curtain hit me fully but i think it was that first scratch up the surface of me that was like okay like maybe you can look a bit deeper um my second one is just that yeah solo travel is the best way to learn about yourself and just what you're capable of like what we were kind of already talking about but um i literally like never spent any time on my own really i think before i went off to europe um and like i said it was really hard at the beginning and it was really awkward at times and like i struggled a lot but it was okay like I also realized it was okay to like not always be okay and sometimes things are hard but um that amount of solo time like just made me really get to know myself better like all those walks in the countryside with the dog like I really had to spend time with me and kind of know who me I was too and what I was made of and it, in the end it was like I felt like if I could get through that summer I could get through anything and get through sounds like intense but sometimes it did feel like i was literally like getting through and battling it was, yeah because there was a lot of struggles and a lot of challenges and it, and it is hard when you go to a new country and you're speaking a new language and you're in completely foreign situations um but yeah by the end of that like i got back to canada and i was like if i can just go live with random families in like another country like i can do anything like you realize that you're 
flexible and adaptable and you can figure shit out like mm-hmm. you just have more faith and belief in yourself definitely um and then my last one is a bit about um i think that, like learning that sometimes you just have to give things a bit of time um because i feel like i was really tempted to quit at the beginning when i started but then i was like no just like i think it was like we've talked before about the like the roller coaster of moving or like breaking up or that and i think it's the same of traveling or doing something new where so a lot of the time at the beginning you're like oh did i make the right decision is this something i should do but like a lot of the times if you give it a certain amount of time it can evolve and you can realize that it is something that you can do like in your situation with oprah like i feel like you hit a breaking point and that was fair enough yeah. um but i feel like in general you usually can like if you just give it time and like don't look at everything so black and white and don't expect everything to be like rainbows and butterflies in the beginning um you can like make the most of it i don't know if i described it in the best way but i think yeah definitely yeah what about you for me my top three lessons were one that australians or aussies (laughs) were my people right and that there was nothing wrong with me that was a huge thing and that like sid and i are still in touch with the people that we met then right and we went we finally went back or went back we went to australia to visit them eight years later and it was just like that and then obviously that started the whole australia thing when i got to sydney and saw what sydney was like but um i think too aussies are like more prolific travelers i would say and i feel like generally other travelers like when you meet them you have to have a certain spirit to you or like a willingness it creates a certain spirit in you yeah there's an openness you have to have i think to do it in the first place Mm -hmm. so i think yeah yeah they were just they were my kin Mm. that's what it was like um number two that like oh that the sun um and people together in community like that easygoingness like that's the kind of stuff that made my heart sing Mm. so when i was on eos like even when i was depressed like because of my (laughs) parents and all of that kind of thing like i was just like oh my god like this it was just so beautiful there like so beautiful and i I had studied a lot of, of greek mythology and um in uni and all that kind of stuff and i was like oh you can tell like you'd feel like you know why they thought the gods were real like yeah like you can feel that presence um when you're in the, these magnificent places um, i think that kind of goes with what we talk about too about like base level of happiness because like yes. when your environment is that like a, the maximum it can be then at least even if you're like super sad and depressed and that like you, you can have. still find solace yeah. in like i would go down to the beach on my own after my work shift you know and like read a book and lie in the sand mm-hmm. and like go and just like lay out on my back in the in the ocean and just float and yeah and it's still I could find so much happiness even though I was depressed yeah (laughs) and that that was huge um but it was kind of like a it was a lesson but I remember when I left feeling so melancholy not just for the reasons I already felt melancholy which was me being so hard on myself but um I just thought like I'm never gonna find the kind of happiness that i found here again like i just thought i've this because you didn't think it was those two summers were like like the happiest i'd ever been and like really this feeling of like what i thought life should feel like and i just thought that's it like i found it i found happiness and i and i see now that happiness isn't something you can hold on to forever and i also knew it wasn't a matter of i'm going to move to this island and then i'll be happy forever because i knew 
you know, it's very different once everyone leaves and like, you're not going to want to be like a young backpacker forever. Like I was really realistic about it. So I was like, I guess this is it. This is the peak. And it's so different than how I would have reacted even if like maybe 10 years later after other things that I learned. But at that point I thought it almost, I wouldn't say like maybe resolute, but like I was like resigned to what my life was in Toronto because mm-hmm. I didn't see any other way out. I like I wasn't yeah. thinking that I could move to Australia as an option. You know, again, no Instagram, no inspiration yeah. in those ways. Like I thought maybe England like, but I knew it wasn't sunny or any of those things. <laughs> like, and I just thought, oh, that's it. Like I go back to the city and I get it and I, yeah, get a real job mm-hmm. and that's going to be my life. And I'll have had this like moment in the sun that, like, yeah. yeah that made my heart sing and yeah so the good thing was that lesson uh which made me kind of resign to my Toronto life and go home and live that life for the next yeah. 10 wow. years yeah um yeah did uh kind of like was proven wrong in a way later <laughs> which I love right yeah. like that but I, I remembered what made my heart sing and I just thought it was impossible to have it again and yeah. then I did like my heart sings every day <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what I feel like so um that was just yeah it was really it, it made me know what I wanted even though I didn't actually know how to get it yeah um okay and then number three uh yeah that I could handle myself yeah. that I could literally be in places where no one in the world knew where I was with no contact and I people weren't didn't speak English and I didn't speak the language that well and I barely had any money and I could figure it out um, even if it was just me eating, like I remember on that <laughs> trip back from Greece to uh, Italy, I bought a, the Harry Potter. I think it was like oh, in Athens yeah. or wherever so that I had this like Harry Potter to read. And then he was my companion. And then I bought a giant bag of cookies and I literally just <laughs> ate cookies for like three or four days straight so that I could save money and like keep me full. <laughs> and if I had a hang- hunger pang, I would just eat a cookie. And like, and then I like showered my hair in the bathroom at the airport and stayed for like two nights or something like before my flight. Real like, backpacking, yeah, life. super backpacker, like by myself. So yeah, like I just knew I could do whatever I needed to yeah. do, and I think that probably gave me like the total confidence and courage to come to Australia when I did. Like after I come to, so I came with Sid eight years later, mm. but then when I went back and I ended up moving here, it was on my own like yeah completely and I didn't really have a support network when I would get here or anything I was going to stay in a hostel like and I wasn't scared no. I don't remember that like because I, I knew like I just I knew what good things could come of of mm. putting yourself out there in that way and I learned that when I was 19 in Greece yeah so yeah if you guys are ever like if you haven't had that experience yet like you still can you can have that at any age like you just gotta you'll never you'll never regret it yeah like you won't go out test yourself go to a grocery store where you don't know the language like look around right like have your senses like refreshed it's just good for your brain like even just us arriving here we've looked at a few different towns this weekend and it's just so good to like walk down a new street like look at new people see what the stores are like it's It's just like your your brain like all these new neural pathways are going ding 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 as you're like recognizing different things and putting two and two together and And i always feel like it's a really good checkpoint and like a way to like check in with your life too because even us we were walking in um the town like gimpy yesterday we were like oh should we live in an even smaller town or like mm-hmm. and it makes you out and then we're like no we love the gold coast but it made us appreciate gold coast more yeah. in that way because you you just 
you can't get perspective if you don't ever have something to compare it against. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I just feel like so grateful that we had those experiences and I think they really did shape our whole future. Like, yeah, I don't think if I hadn't gone to France and Belgium that I wouldn't have gone to Quebec, like I wouldn't have started that path of doing all of these adventures and each with each one, I gained more confidence and like more perspective on what I was looking for in life. Mm -hmm. And like, it just really shaped me and it was also great for like my resume and for like yeah. so many life skills like it really just builds your character and like yeah it just gives you so much perspective and I would recommend it to everyone and it doesn't have to be flying across the world either like literally just visit the next town over somewhere <laughs> especially right now yeah. <laughs> and I can't wait to do it again one day like right yeah. now it's not the time you know like I have all this other (laughs) baby on the way. I bought a house, but like, um, we have other plans. Like we have plans to like go abroad and spend some time abroad, six months, maybe a year, like Mm. do those kinds of things, but do it with, with family, which is really exciting too. And a whole new experience. So I can't wait for that time as well. And like, I just know it's something in my life. I'm never going to stop doing. Yeah. I think really don't limit yourself with that too. Or think like, Oh, I can't travel with kids or like I'm too settled. Down. Cause like, I know people even back in Canada, one of the lawyers I worked with had like taken a sabbatical for a year or two, I think with her family and like took her kids out of school and they traveled around the world for two years. Like you can, you can do it. If there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's where we'll leave you guys today. So please watch White Lines. Watch Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 1 and 2. And let um, us know if there's any other travel inspiring Yeah, that, like things. give you that feeling. Yeah. Like that first time feeling. So guys, remember to live life tenfold because sometimes the grass is greener. And, and you, you never, never know what, what you're, you're going to get. <laughs> and now we're going to go into the woo part of the podcast. Um, so one thing that I forgot to mention with the psychic is when she was talking to me about Baca, her grandmother, um, she asked me if I saw white feathers a lot. And I was like, no, I haven't really noticed, but I always think of Baca when I see butterflies. Um, I don't really remember how that started, but I'm just like, yeah, ever since she passed away, when I see butterflies, I'm like, oh, that reminds me of Baca. And, um, since I went to the psychic, like I saw three butterflies after that and I haven't been seeing butterflies lately I don't I just don't think it's butterfly season but I was like oh of course and there was like one on the in the entrance to our building the other day when I was talking to our mom and I just told her about like the butterflies um and then I realized that so Baca like we were saying she did um a lot of cards like she had cards and she would like read cards and play solitaire and all that stuff but one of her decks of cards which was like the one that I remember so well because she like used it so often and it was worn like the cards were worn down and so soft was this one that it was like a brown background and then had like monarch butterflies on the front and then I was like oh and then yesterday when we were in Gimpy we went into this like great store that had um, it's called Magicality Magicality oh yeah and it had all these like crystals and cards and stuff like that and it I was had like the oh. biggest collection of cards yeah. I've ever seen in a store and I wanted to get um my own deck of cards so I was just like looking through and I looked through heaps of them and then I found this one that was that's called Nature's Whispers um, Oracle Cards. And it just looked really beautiful. Like it showed some of the designs on the back and it just had really beautiful painted um, 
images. So I was like, I'm going to get these ones. And then I opened the deck and you don't, you didn't see. After you bought it. Yeah, after I bought it, you didn't see like what the front of the cards was. But I opened the deck and then it's just like a flurry of butterflies that's on like the top of every card. And it's so beautiful. And I was just like, oh, this is just like. Just Baka talking Yeah, it's just like good choice on the deck. Uh, So I feel like it's meant to be. But I'd like to pull a card for all of us right now. For all you guys at home. Yeah. Okay. So. What shall our card be? It is called Bountiful Harvest. And it is a picture of our painting of a woman who basically she kind of looks like Mother Earth. She's got a flower crown on and her hair is almost like waving into like a mountainous background and there's just kind of flowers exploding from everywhere she's got the world kind of floating in her hands and i think there's an eagle or a dove flying with like almost a phoenix rainbow tail it's just a beautiful melody of colors and looks just like magic is unfolding Mm. um and alex will read the description okay bountiful harvest You have access to the infinite source of love and resources provided by Mother Earth and the universe. There are no demands, requirements, or conditions that affect your ability to access this supply. This is a wonderful reminder and the absolute truth pertaining to the abundance that is available to you. Grant your abundance the opportunity to flow into your life. It will reshape your perspective. It will strengthen and nourish you. This phase holds a plentitude of affluence and fertility. You are lucky and blessed. That sounds beautiful. I hope that resonates with someone. It gives you the message that you need. Um, If you want a notorious psychic or (laughs) you want (laughs) advice on islands in Greece, uh, just shoot us a message. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Let us know know about your first time Mm. um, solo traveling. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Okay, namaste. Namaste. Love you.